Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Thanks for joining the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, the Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. We're talking about Women's History Month again, and we will be hearing stories from women who served our country. Uh, We'll be hearing today from Linda Jones, a U.S. Army veteran. Martha Burkhart and Natrina Blackstock from Kent County and Ingham County, respectively. And we'll also be joined by Judge Rosemarie Aquilina of the 30th Circuit Court, Ingham County. We hope that you'll stick around to hear about some of these amazing stories and the amazing journey of these women veterans, as well as learn about resources and opportunities in some of these counties near you. So don't go away. Stick around because we'll be back with an exciting show on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. And again, today we're talking about Women's History Month and stories from women who served our country. Uh, Today, I'm speaking during this segment with Erin Stover, who's the Public Affairs Officer at the MVAA. Welcome back, Erin. Hey, Director. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks for joining. And, And so we're talking about Women's History Month this month and about stories from women who served our country. And I think I would be remiss if we didn't talk about some of the challenges that women veterans face. And so, and and, and I love having this conversation with you because here I am, a woman veteran who served, who who has gone through different types of challenges and you um, are a civilian who's kind of on the outside seeing what's going on in the veteran space. So I, you know, I can only imagine what that looks like. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think when I first started working at our agency, if you asked me to describe a veteran, I would probably talk about an older gentleman who perhaps served in, you know, Vietnam or World War II or the Korean War. And it's this realization that, yes, while those people did serve, that there is a huge population of women who served our country. And it's something that I think we need to realize is that, and Director, you always say it, like the, the face of the veteran is changing. And it's something that I think we all need to be aware of is that there's women who served our country. Absolutely. And I think that um, one of the things that we hear a lot more is that women, you know, often feel invisible. They don't, they don't want to self-identify. That's one of the things I know I've said, I've heard other women say, you know, we talk with our, she is a veteran candidates when we've, you know, launched that several months ago, we hear that women don't identify, but it's, it's interesting the why. Like, I don't think we talk enough about the why. And so I was looking at um, a military.com article that was published on September 27th in 2019 about women veterans and their unique transition issues. And one of the things that it talked about was that, um, you know, military service in and of itself defeminizes women and is contrary, is a contrary experience in cultural norms. They, they went on to say that when those same women return to civilian status, there is a myriad of unexpected challenges associated with this deeply psychological transformation. And I don't think I've ever really thought about it, um, you know, in the de- when they talk about defeminizing, but it's almost like a sigh of relief when we get out of the military. It's like, whew, I don't have to pretend anymore, you know? Right. And I don't know if you've ever worked in, a, in an environment where it was predominantly males or you feel, felt like you had to be something else. I mean, I don't know. Have you, have, have you been in that type of environment? I have one of my first jobs was working um, for a chemical company and it was definitely like the, the boys club for sure. And it was hard being a female of having a female voice with a team of all older men. And I think it's things that you learn of 
you might feel like you have to act like a man in order to fit in. And that there's things that I think as women, sometimes we're told, you know, not to be weak or not to cry at work or these things, but it's so many of those things are ingrained as of who we are as, as women. So I feel I totally understand that struggle. And it's something that I think we'll always can kind of continue to do. Well, and I think if you take that and then you magnetize that by, you know, 24 seven, this is kind of your, your situation. You know, I, I think about, you know, in civilian life, you know, if those things are happening, I get to go home, I get to go home to a support system of people. But then if you're in that for, let's say two years, four years, eight years, 20 years, in that type of environment, and then you get out, it's kind of like, you don't know how to identify. And so I, I think we need to continue to look at some of those reasons so we can break those barriers. Uh, One of the other things I saw in this article that was just particularly interesting to me was that Um, They said that a stark lack of peer support post-transition is often noted by female veterans. They report not feeling accepted by civilian women, and they struggle with finding a group of peers in which they feel supported and encouraged. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to think about. And I know it's something that, you know, supporting women veterans is something that you're so passionate about. And I feel like you should, you know, use this time to talk about the initiative that you started of like this, this realization that women veterans probably all have very similar struggles or they can at least relate to some of the struggles that their, their sister veterans have faced. And, you know, I think you should tell people about the MSI program that was kind of a dream of yours. Yeah. So the military sisterhood initiative, uh, thanks for that, Aaron, um, was, was kind of born out of that need to have people who kind of understood and supported and encouraged you that got it, you know, not to say that, you know, uh, civilian men or women are, there's anything wrong with that. I just think that, you know, we're not the type of people to go out and say, you know what, here's, here's my struggle and here's what's going on. I need you to kind of accept me. We just kind of go about our way. And so the military sisterhood initiative, which is open for any female veteran to join, it's no cost. You can go to military sisterhood initiative.org and sign up. Um, is kind of this platform, this network of women all across the country and the world really who have served, who are connecting with each other and empowering each other and encouraging each other and supporting each other through whatever they may be dealing with, whether it be challenges at the VA, um, challenges post-military sexual trauma, challenges just being a mom. Like there are just, there's so many support um, levels there that it's great. And, And I will also touch on the fact that, you know, at the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, you know, uh, you know, Erica Hoover, who is our Women Veterans and Special Populations Coordinator, did a great job of ushering in this She is a Veteran initiative, which really highlights women within the state of Michigan. And we'll be talking with one of those individuals shortly, Miss Linda Jones. But it really highlights the need for women to see themselves identified in all types of women across the state. So, you know, these are great initiatives. And and I, I think that, you know, for any woman veteran listening or anybody who knows a woman veteran, you know, I hope that you will, will be able to see, you know, really how we can move forward and, and, and send them to us. Have them call us at 1-800-MICHVET and we can help them out. So I'm excited um, for our first guest who will be joining us. Uh, Miss Linda Jones is a U.S. Army veteran. She is a, she is a veteran um, uh, individual and she's someone who's really going to talk about identifying. So don't change that dial. We'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now back to your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. 
Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Today, we're talking about Women's History Month and stories from women who served our country. Our first guest today is Linda Jones. Linda Jones served in the United States Army from 1978 to 82. She lives in Detroit, Michigan, where she volunteers at the John D. Dingle VA and is an ambassador for Wink for All Women Veterans. She is also a writer and performer of spoken word. She uses these gifts to help heal and to help other female veterans heal as well. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you for having me, Director Adams. I'm so excited. We're excited to have you too. So, you know, I'm even more excited because you um, will be our featured, she is a veteran initiative, woman veteran um, for this next series that we're going to be launching next week. So we are giving our WJR listeners a little bit of a preview, a little bit of a taste of what's to come when we launch your video next week in our Facebook live stream next Wednesday. So yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, So I I see that you served in the army, you know, fellow army sisters here, and I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit about your, um, your service. Sure. Well, I was motivated to join the military because I was given a choice by my mom. It was, well, you, you don't have to do anything I want you to do, but you got to do something and it can't be here. <laughs> and I had an idea that I wanted to travel and I wanted to get an education and experience the world. And I thought the military might be a good way to do that. So as luck would have it, an army recruiter came to my high school And I was immediately in love with the idea of becoming a soldier, the travel, the experience. uh, It it all was very exciting to me. And it seemed like an alternative to college for me as well at that time. So I I took the ASVAB, I took the necessary tests and graduated in June and was in basic training in August. Well, you know, that, that is a wonderful story. You know, everybody has their reasons for joining. And I know that, you know, there were some great things in, in the military, but there are also some things that were not so great in the military. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll save some of that story for the, she is a veteran video launch. Um, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll let our uh, listeners kind of wonder what that is, but, um, but, you know, I wanted to talk about as we're, we're talking about your story, your, your, your journey, at least through the military, you know, you, you, you went through that point in your life and then you get to this point where you have to identify as a woman veteran. What, what has that been like? It has been a journey, Director Adams, to be quite honest. When I first was discharged from the military, I left, I was stationed, I was stationed in a Stauffenberg, Germany. Uh, I'd actually gotten married while I was there. I left uh, Germany before my, at that time, husband did. And I came back to the United States And it was an adjustment, first of all, just transitioning from that military life, that close, pretty structured, purposeful life that I had to being a civilian and not really having my my feet up under my my myself. I left my mom's house and went straight to uh, to the army's house. I was a little lost. I'd had some experiences that made me feel very vulnerable and alone. And I did not connect with my veteran background, my veteran family for a long time. I worked in corporate America and I didn't really embrace my veteranhood, my female veteran uh, identity for a long time. I denied that. I didn't even get service at the VA hospital for quite some time. I mentioned that I was a veteran when I 
applied for jobs. I talked about it at my job, but I didn't exactly identify as a veteran. That part of myself, I put to the side for a while, quite honestly. Yeah, so you were pretty much like a lot of women just going through the motions. Yeah, I served, but it wasn't like this proud. Yeah, I served kind of thing, I, I would I would assume. Yeah. I wasn't going around announcing it to anyone. I knew that I had I spent that time in the military and I knew that I was a veteran when I, like I said, went and looked for jobs. I mentioned it to people, but I didn't have a strong identity, a connection, a pride about being a female veteran. Not not that I have now. I have it now, but I didn't uh, absolutely didn't have it then. Well, and you obviously have that now. So I guess for absolutely. those women that may be listening, what do you you know, why is that important to have that voice or to 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 represent, I guess, in that way? You know, it's absolutely vital that female veterans share their experience, that they share their pride in having been a part of the military, because it's something that not only sets us apart, but it gives us an opportunity to share with other females what our struggles may have been, what our victories might have been, how awesome it is, first of all, to be a woman. And to be a woman veteran is even more exciting, even more empowering. Um, there's, it's a double-edged sword uh, at times because there are things about our service that can be challenging. But I found since my time out of the military, I've been able to work through those things and I experience more sense of pride and a sense of victory than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's important as well. And, you know, women you know, they have to know that there are others just like them out there. And, 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 you know, more women veterans are, are seeking to embrace more women veterans. I mean, I was talking about the military sisterhood initiative earlier and how there are places where you can go um, to, 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 to connect with women veterans. And, and in your bio, we talked about you being a wink for all women veterans ambassador. So what does that look like? What do you do there? Well, right now, as, as a wink advisor and a woman uh, veteran, both of those things go hand in hand. Wink definitely was one of the turning points connecting with that organization that gave me a sense of belonging, a sense of pride and a sense of, of worth as a female veteran because of one of the retreats that I attended. Um, I belong to the Mental Health Veterans Advocacy Council here uh, at the John D. Dingle Detroit VA. And I'm always talking about Wink there and the wonderful work that you do through the retreats that you have. I'm able to share my experiences that I've had with the Wink women. And it ties in with our goal as a mental health to take away some of the stigma veterans have and female veterans have that have been through trauma in the military. So they go hand in hand. My Wink work and the Wink I do, the work I do, I'm sorry, at the, at the VA, uh, they complement each other. And they both strengthen me at the same time. I get to connect with strong women veterans and hear stories and share compassion and strength. Well, Linda, we definitely appreciate you being on and we're looking forward to having your story on our She is a Veteran uh, launch of our fifth uh, female veteran. Before we go, um, we have like a, a minute, uh, probably a little bit over um, close to two minutes left. Can you just give us a little bit of a taste of your spoken word poetry? Yes, I'd love to. This piece is called All Dressed Up and Nowhere to Go. And it's about experiencing being seen and not seen at the same time. I remember the lessons of keeping up appearances. Sunday church school perfectly turned out in my little white socks 
and my yellow ruffles and these little black patent leather shoes I wore. Be careful, keep clean, keep it pretty, the Sue. Everybody is looking at you. I long to scream, my dress is too tight. There's scratches on my back. It hurts, I lie. But not, not, not to be said. Because those things were to be silenced instead. I was all dressed up and nowhere to go. People are watching you. You've been created by your mama's design. And no matter where you go, you can dress it up, make it look good, smile, put on the makeup and the dress and you'll feel just fine. But until you heal, heal for real, you'll be all dressed up. And don't you know, my darling girl, you'll have nowhere to go. Wow, that was wonderful. That was great. And, and such an impactful uh, message for women veterans. If you had one final thing that you wanted to let women veterans know, um, what would you say to them? You're more powerful than you know. Allow yourself to be heard and to be seen and give the world what you have to offer because as a woman veteran, that's a lot. Thank you so much for joining us today, Linda. Um, I look forward to having you um, on Facebook next week, uh, Wednesday, I believe it's at uh, noon. We'll have all the information on our Facebook page. And uh, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Director Adams. Thank you all. Thank you. And we'll return on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Once again, your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I am joined now by Martha Burkett, the Manager of Veteran Services for Kent County, and Katrina Blackstock, the Director of Veterans Affairs for Ingham County. They are both Wink for All Women Veterans affiliates. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. So um, today we're talking about um, we're talking about women veterans during Women's History Month, and and some of the services um, that are available out there to them. And I know that both of you all. Um, are doing some some amazing things. Have been doing some great things even during this pandemic for women veterans. So, first off, I'd love to hear a little bit about some of the services that you provide for women women veterans and veterans in general um, in Kent County, Martha. Well, in Kent County, as you know, we became a Wink affiliate um, last year, and we have we enlisted our prize artist Pamela Alderman. She's done several uh, art workshops with the ladies. Um, we're continuing to do art workshops, uh, even virtually right now that are open to all veterans in Kent County. Um, as far as the, the new programming that we have, we've added a whole wellness program that's available to all the, all the, uh, veterans in Kent County. We have, a, on our website, we have an activities calendar with a list of all the things that we have available. We have free yoga, we have art, we have music, we have equine therapy that's actually happening in person. There are a number of different things that we're doing. We also opened up a psychoeducational group for veterans that are may or may not be court involved who have uh, issues with substance use and or mental health disorders. So, um, we have those things going on with Arbor Circle, and we've also partnered with the Vet Center as part of that program. So we've got behavioral health, we have wellness, we have all kinds of grants we put out. We have dental um, services, free dental for veterans. We've got all kinds of things happening. We've also been working with Amy Batchelder from Women Veterans Strong as another uh, female support 
outreach um, initiative. And so with them, we've done um, kayaking trips. We had a fall festival. We've just done a whole bunch of different things. And we've got things on the calendar for next year. Um, I also spoke with, just was talking this morning about planning uh, a banquet that we budgeted for for this year to honor female veterans. So that's something to look forward to. It's always exciting to see more things happening for women veterans in the state. As you both know, we have about 47,000 women veterans in this state. And so, you know, to see even even impacts in just two counties, that that's wonderful. So, um, Natrina, what do you have going on? Oh, we have a lot going on in Ingham County as well. Um, to date, uh, Women Veterans Services, we played a major role in shaping the outcome of many important issues affecting women in both Ingham and Clinton County. Um, our services were established in uh, September of 2018. Um, since that date, we've worked diligently advocating for female veterans and their families, um, raising awareness, um, promoting action, um, and we had several goals in mind. Our first goal was to advocate for the rights of women veterans and promote professional and personal growth. Um, we've done that by hosting um, women veteran activities. And for our 2021 calendar year, we have initiative to do more um, social media engagement, um, engaging with our women on Facebook. You can follow us on our uh, Ingham County Facebook page. Um, and we're also promoting our um, peer support services. We've collaborated with the CBOP in our community and we're doing um, peer support services um, on a weekly basis. Uh, we also have a goal to connect our women just with the broader community. Uh, so we've definitely collaborated with Wink. We're a Wink affiliate um, and we've collaborated with other women, the women in Muskegon um, and other regions just to connect women veterans um, we found that a lot of women veterans, first and foremost, don't identify themselves as women, um, and second, have sometimes issues just coming out and socializing with other women. So we have a focus um, on those areas in Ingham County. That sounds great. So I, I would ask, you know, both of you, uh, maybe Martha first, are you seeing an impact? Are you seeing more women getting engaged and, and coming out? So how is that working out? Yeah, we are. We're having... Um you know, a lot of women coming out to participate. We're having more women showing up in services. Um, and, you know, I think our visibility in the community is, is raised. We also have a billboard that um, advertises our WINK, pro, our WINK affiliation um, here in the city. And we have a website that we um, designated for female veterans. It's uh, West Michigan Women Warriors, I believe is what it's called. And so, um, yeah, we're just doing everything that we can to uh, support not only female veterans, but all veterans and their families. Um, but, you know, as you both know, the female population has really been underrepresented. And so this effort, you know, we're just getting started, um, but we have plans to continue reaching as many as we possibly can and, and trying to bring them in to get all the services that they that they have earned or you know all the benefits that they've earned that they may not even be aware of. That's really good to hear and how about you Natrina are you seeing more women engaging and, and wanting to identify because of what you're doing? We are um, since we've become a WINK affiliate we've seen um, more women engagement um, 
on Saturday, this past Saturday, we um, we met with women um, in Ingham County. We had a meetup at the um, at the Hawk Island. Um, we had coffee and went on a hike together um, and just had a chance, um, you know, just to commune with other women veterans. Um, they tend to love outlets such as this because it gives us a chance to just get away from the everyday hustle and bustles of being a woman. Um, we all just chuckled because it felt good getting away from husbands and children mm -hmm. um, and just a chance to really um, just kick back and quote unquote be real. And in doing so, we're able to spread the word about services um, and just as Martha stated, encourage them to come in and receive those benefits that, hey, um, it doesn't matter if you actually went to combat, it doesn't matter if you've been deployed, just your service as a woman, that was a sacrifice. Um, and that was the conversation that we had just this past Saturday. Um, regardless of what that capacity is, we served. So yeah. you're definitely entitled to those benefits, entitled to those services. Um, and it just feels good to encourage other women veterans in that capacity. And I think that's so important. Um, I, I don't know how many times I hear from veterans, oh, I didn't serve in combat or I wasn't, so I'm not really a veteran. And, you know, for the purposes of, of Michigan, for sure, our definition is, you know, if you've served in the military period. So it doesn't matter if it's National Guard, Coast Guard, you know, those types of things, you, you, you can give us a call. And if you, if you can't get connected to Natrina or Martha, you can definitely get connected to us and we can connect you to them um, or anyone in your county. I will say that I've, I've noticed the efforts and, you know, I've been to, I've, we've done a few um, care package events, one in Lansing, and we also did one, um, and I, I participated in one in Muskegon where there was a collaboration and the number of women veterans that are coming out that you've never seen their name and you've never heard of has just been amazing. So yes. the efforts and the things that you're doing and even the food program that I know that uh, Kent County uh, worked very hard with to get hot food out there was very important. So I, I will say that I'm hearing good things and I'm very excited for it. If there's one thing you want to say really quickly before you go, what would you tell your our listeners out there? Uh, Martha, go. I would want to tell people that um, the services on our activities calendar are not just for Kent County veterans. Um, any of those virtual services, with the exception of the art workshops, are open to any veteran in the state of Michigan and their family members. So all they have to do is go to our website, look at the activities calendar, and they can sign up there. Perfect. Thank you. And Natrina? Beautiful. Just get connected, stay connected. Um, and we're all in this together. Um, and if any women veterans are listening, I look forward to meeting with you um, and introducing services or um, just a fellowship. Thank you for your service. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, both of you all for joining us today. Um, I will make sure that your websites are included on our social media posts when we post about this show. And if you cannot get that information, you can always call us at 1-800-MISHFET. That's 1-800-642-4838. Thank you for joining us today and stick around. We'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Once again, your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I am joined by our final guest today, Judge Rosemarie Aquilina. And we're so excited to have her on the show. Now, Judge Aquilina retired honorably from the Michigan Army National Guard after 20 years of service. She became part of Michigan's history by becoming the first female JAG officer in the Michigan Army National Guard when she enlisted. 
Now, she's a published author of a fictional novel, and her next no novel will be out soon. She's also an adjunct professor at both Thomas Cooley Law School, my alma mater, and Michigan State University School of Law. She's been serving as the 30th Circuit Court Judge for Ingham County since 2008, and previously she served as the 55th District Court Judge for four years, during which time she served as Chief Judge. And she has done so much more and achieved so much more. So welcome to the show, Judge Aquilina. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm so honored to meet you and to be on your show. What an impressive resume and what an impressive uh, trailblazer you are. First female member of JAG in Michigan. What, what was that like? That was tough getting in. You know, there were all these men and they didn't want a woman in. And so my paperwork sat for about a year and I found out it was sitting on a colonel's desk. So I decided they couldn't turn down a volunteer. I offered to volunteer and the uh, colonel head of the JAG said, okay, come on in. So I did. I wore my tightest jeans, my cowboy boots and a regular old shirt. And I showed up for work, made sure I had uh, coffee where the general has his. And of course you can imagine a civilian. I was a lot younger, prettier and thinner then. So I'm bopping in there having coffee and my civvies and he's, you know, in his uniform with all of the stuffed shirts there with all their rank and they are not happy seeing me. And so I made, and I made it a point to have a conversation as I got my coffee and donut. By the time I walked up to the second floor, the general, and I mean, the two-star was yelling at the Colonel saying, what is that woman doing here? And he's holding out the phone so I can hear it. And, and the Colonel said, well, she's volunteering. She is going to join. Her paperwork is stuck somewhere. I believe it's on the colonel's desk next to your office. And the general screamed into the phone, get that woman in a uniform. I was then sworn in the very next weekend. <laughs> and when I was sworn in, first of all, the general crossed out six years and put eight years. And I said, sir, please put 20. I will stay. And I did. And then he swore me in. And when he shook my hand and congratulated me, he said, the only thing that would have been better is if you would have been black. Oh, <laughs> okay. Because now they, for, you know, they would have had a two for one then, which yeah. obviously, yeah. you know, a bit insulting, right? Um, but they didn't want me as a woman and they certainly had not yet, believe it or not. And this was, um, what, 1984, 85, 86, maybe, I, you know, I, I lose track of time at my age. But anyway, um, they still hadn't had a minority JAG officer, which to me is incredibly unbelievable. So as a result of that, I ended up being literally the most requested JAG officer. I did good work, but also I had the confidence of all of those minorities and women and just people who felt that they weren't heard by the same old white man. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, it's just amazing that as women and trailblazers, you know, you know, me being the, the first female, uh, you know, uh, to serve in this position as director um, and walking through the door, we have to kind of set the standard for the rest coming behind. And it seems like you've been doing that throughout your life. Um, I have. You know, and, 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 and I, you know, we, we deal with women veterans all the time. The show is about women veterans and women's history. And, you know, you've done some amazing things. You have, uh, you've, you've prosecuted some high profile individuals. 
you have um, been kicking down doors wherever you go. And you're an inspiration to women everywhere, but especially women veterans. But we have a lot that don't identify as veterans. And so what would you say to those women? Just thinking about your experience. In terms of women who are not veterans or women who don't have that power, even though they're veterans and they wear the uniform, you know, the power comes from within. Look at the light of your eyes and tell yourself you matter, even when the world says you don't and speak up. There is so much power that you can own. And I think the great thing, the greatest thing about the military is it really gave me that gift. And the gift is that when we wear the uniform, we are part of a finely tuned, trained machine. We are all expected to do our work regardless of age, rank, color, training. We just work together for morale, for the good of the country, for safety. And I never felt that I was different in the military. I wasn't treated as a man, woman, white, anything else. I was just treated as a human being. And I think there's something to be learned from that. Trust your gut, know that you are a valuable human, whatever else is going on in your life, set that aside. You are a valuable human with leadership skills, with potential, with a voice, speak up, tell people what you need and let them know you are there and keep speaking until you're heard. That's what we do in the military. We make sure that we join together in one voice for the safety and promotion of all of us in the United States. And I think that's why the military model absolutely works. That's, you know, that's great judge. And I, I would, so I, how did you get to, you know, joining the national guard to becoming a JAG officer? Like what were your, what was your decision process? in between that, did you join thinking that's what you wanted to do? Or did that kind of come along the way? Yeah. My uncle was on the USS Bainbridge. My dad was in the Korean war in the army. And so when I was very little, I saw uniforms and thought they were the greatest thing on the planet. So as my friends were going to, you know, uh, doctor, nurse, whatever, in high school career day, I was going to army, Navy, air force. And I always wanted to join. And after law school, I did join because I, I didn't do it before because I wasn't sure. I thought, well, I wanted to go in as an officer. I'm not somebody who likes to take orders. Um, I want to be part of the deal, whatever it is, I'm happy to take an order, but then you better listen to me. And so I knew being an officer was where I needed to be. And I just loved, honestly, the United States and the uniform. And so I made up my mind when I was about three years old to join and I followed through. And I always wanted to be a JAG officer once I became a lawyer um, because I felt that was the place that I could do the best work and give other people voice, voice that throughout my life I did not have. Well, you know, that's that's interesting. When I joined, I went to Fort's. Um... Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And, you know, um, they had uh, the paralegal school there. And I joined and I said, you know, after I joined, I said, I've always wanted to be a lawyer, I you know, I should become a JAG officer. So I remember getting the patch for one of my my jackets that I bought for the JAG officer corps. And I never went through the JAG officer corps because life happened, marriage happened, all those things happened. But it's just amazing the journey that afterwards I still was able to pursue that and help veterans with their benefits. So the military does have some great things. And I, and I hope that people can see too, that it's not too late. You can, you know, finish college and still join the national guard, have a great career, just like you did. And then just do things amazing with that. So um, what, are, what are you doing now? So I know you're a judge, like what, you know, yeah. how, how is that different from what you were doing before? 
Well, I, I mean, obviously the military code of justice is different, right? So I was a judge in the military and also prosecutor and defense counsel, which is great because you can wear all hats. Now I'm a circuit court judge and motiva- motivational speaker and also an author. And uh, I'm the mother of five. So don't ever let anybody tell you as a mom, you can't because us women, we can. And the military does, especially the National Guard does support women uh, who have children, believe it or not. That is great. So we have a lot in common. I have uh, six children, a couple sets of twins. And so, and I went to law school during that time too. So, you know, I love that you keep inspiring. And I will truly say that you are a motivational speaker. You motivate those around you and you've motivated me and even some of our conversations today. So I want to take this opportunity to thank you so much for joining the show. I hope that we can have a longer conversation soon. Anytime. You are terrific. Keep using your voice. You are powerful, girl. Oh, thank you. Coming from you, that means so much. And so I want to thank, uh, again, take a moment to thank our guests today, Linda Jones, a U.S. Army veteran, Martha Burkett, uh, Natrina Stock, uh, Blackstock from Kent County and Ingham County, respectively, and Judge Aquilina from the 30th Circuit Court. Um, remember that you can always call us at 1-800-MISHVET. That's one 800 642 4838 for anything that you may need. And if you're in crisis, call the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or text 838255. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget, you can catch us on podcast available at WJR. And we'll see you next week on the Veterans Perspective.